Welcome everybody to Damage Radio. We're here live on mockradio.com where music reminds me. You already know me, I'm RC, alongside my guest. This man wrestles out of the world famous Monster Factory. He's six foot, 211 pounds, from Old City, Philadelphia. He is the current MF Network champion and a man who started from the bottom. Now he's here. The one, the only, Davey Bly. Davey, welcome to Damage Radio making your debut, man. Great to talk well, to you. Thank you very much, RC. That was a heck of an intro you gave me. I appreciate that. Uh, no, no worries, man. Um, so tell the Damage fans a little bit about yourself. Um, I've been with the Monster Factory for about uh, since January 1st, 2017. That's when I first walked in through the doors of student. For the most part, I have run the music for 90, 95% of all the shows in, uh, you know, since I've been there. So I've been uh, in that captain's chair playing music for well over a hundred shows at this point. Um, so yeah, I, after a, a small run in 2019, that was like, yeah, you know, I'm finally like in 20, 21, 21, I got in the best shape of my life. I'm finally like comfortable in my own skin and I'm liking where I'm going and, um, <laughs> I'm digging, you know, I'm going to be rest. I'm yeah. Heck with it. I mean, by the time you hear this, it's going to happen already, but I'm going to be wrestling it out at uh, Outbreak Wrestling for the first for July 24th, uh, Saturday, Alive at Last. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing all my old friends there because I did have a little bit of uh, background uh, setting up shows and training and wrestling at a place called the Dungeon owned by the Mess Brothers, uh, the Intimidators, Mark and Troy Mess. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love all them. and I can't wait to see them again on uh july uh <laughs> july 24th definitely so let's go back to the way beginning man uh how did you become a fan of professional wrestling was a certain match certain feud or a promo here's what happened i was it was 1998 summer of 98 right before bash at the beach in wcw i was thumbing through uh some thumbing through something on a monday night and i remember i was down the shore i think it was in uh, uh wildwood new jersey or it doesn't matter the town um Anyway, so I thumb in and I see, I go on TNT and I see Hollywood Hogan cutting this promo talking about how he and Dennis Rodman are going to beat Carl Malone and this yes. guy called Dallas Page. Right. And I, I, I'm not knocking Diamond Dallas Page saying who's he. I'm like, like back then, I love to me. I'm like, who's Dallas Page? But my point is, after that promo, I was hooked. Um, back then, you know, I knew who Hulk Hogan was, so I immediately sided with Hulk Hogan. But then, like, a couple months later, I see him in the NWO being, like, real heels to DDP and his wife, Kimberly. And I'm, and I'm sorry that it's not cool to not want to be the bad guy. I always liked the good guy. I always rooted for the good guys and such. So I immediately, like, switched and hated Hogan and liked Sting and Goldberg. And okay. uh, So Sting blonde hair or, or Crow Sting? Well, which one did you enjoy more? Um... God, it's always a soft spot for Crow Sting. That's well, I got in when Sting was like it was, was Wolfpack Sting, so he was okay. acting like he was acting like uh, like Surfer Sting, but he was you know he had the red and black trying to be Crow Sting, but no, nah, I you know I the white and black uh, no not taking crap from boisterous heels, uh, painted face, uh, baby face. I I like that Sting. So you were Team WCW then, and not WWF uh, time. Well, I was. It was like 
Yeah, I like WCW 98. I was liking WCW 99. But like any fan of television shows or whatever, once start once it starts to get crappy and things jump the shark, you know, I'm starting to like WWF more and I'm starting to like WCW less because WCW, you know, it's just like any bad television, any television show that gets bad, it's going to lose viewers. And then there's another television show that's starting to look good and fresh and such. So by the time 2000 happened, it's like, I still like watching Sting. I still like watching Goldberg, but I didn't care about WCW. At that point, I was like all WWF. Right. So you start watching wrestling. You mentioned the um, Carl Malone, DDP, Dennis mm-hmm. Rahman, Hulk Hogan, Hollywood Hogan. What was it about that captivated you? Was it the audience, the music, the entertainment from the in the ring? What got you, man? Jesus. Wow. I never thought of it like that. I mean, obviously Hogan's promo, um, like that, that's what got me glued. I remember after that, uh, Sting and Luger. The one when he went red and white to NWO when he, when he, when he threw, when he turned on Macho Man? Is that the no, one that got you? And the promo, the, the, the Carl Malone promo, like that, that okay. promo on Malone and uh, Page. That's uh, like that. I don't know why I I was glued to the TV for the rest of that episode. <laughs> Remember that episode? Friggin', you know, then like Sting and Luger had a tag match against Baby Boy Smith and Jim Neidhart. The main event, uh, the the main event match with Goldberg killing Glacier, and then finally it ended with Carl um, Malone and Diamond Dallas Page coming to confront Hulk Hogan. Dennis Rodman was nowhere to be found because Dennis Rodman does whatever Dennis Rodman wants to do, and then they beat True. up Hogan. And I think Malone gave Hogan a diamond cutter. I'm not completely sure. I remember they beat up Hogan and cut a promo, and that's how the that's how the night ended. Um, I guess just uh, boisterous characters, almost like comic book superheroes, beating the crap out of each other. And yeah, I knew it was fake then, right. but um, like it got me engaged. I guess that's the way to answer your question of like what, how did it uh, captivate me? Uh, now, are you a promo guy, or or do you like the what happens inside the ring against the two opponents? Like, what what do you like more? Do you like watching the promos, or I like giving a crap about the people who are inside the ring. So it's like it doesn't. It doesn't matter what they do. They can do a thousand different moves. They can go all over the place, like you know, ping pong balls and such. They can go a thousand miles an hour, but I would rather you know have somebody that I care about and like and want to root for and root against, and just yeah, it's the same thing as in Hollywood. I want to see you know I want to see Iron Man you know be able to beat Thanos and you know care about. And and I feel that pain once you know Thanos uh, you know, stabs Iron Man and is about to kill him because they made me care about them. So whether it's through a promo or through your facials or or just being a larger than life star by walking into the ring, you know, like that's what'll get me uh, to to want to watch your match and get me to be just let me be invested in you, right. Now, in the 90s, they tried everything. I mean, we had st- superstars like Nails, Gilbert. We had, uh, you know, Bad Boy Barry Hardy. We had rock and roll guys. We had dentists. You know, mm-hmm. was any of them, like, 
going now forward for their characters, was there anything regarding those that captivated you as well, like the underdogs? Not, not really. I like, I just liked the main eventers because they were, they were the ones with the personality and they refined it, and that's why they were on top. Right now, what made Davy actually believe that he could pursue this? Um. Okay. So, for most of my twenties and my teens. Oh, okay, yeah, in the beginning when I'm like 11 years old, I'm like, I want to do this, I want to do this. But Like everybody, then, yeah. Yeah, everybody. Uh, but it's like, then I, I started phasing out of that because I, I got into music, and I'm like, yeah, you know what, I'm not, I'm not big enough, I'm not athletic enough. Uh, you know, let the people who are able to do this do this, and I'm going to just kind of focus on music and just be a fan. Um, and then I'm 26 years old. The My band that uh, I was in, um, that I put years of my life into it uh and it just went went down people would burn out having kids and all that such and the singer of that band my best friend ryan box he got into wrestling and he's smaller than i am and a lot of people that i saw like you know i went to a few indie shows and they're they're around my size so i'm like i might be able to give this a shot and then like once ryan got into it he was able to pull me into it and then he and i would be driving up to reading and back um, to go to uh, train at the dungeon for Mark and Troy Mest. He stuck with it and he flourished. I uh, let's, let's say my heart went to a different endeavor that kind of uh, left me emotionally in the gutter. And then I guess that leads to the Monster Factory because around that time is when I moved to Paulsboro. And now I'm on like a 10 minute walk away from, wow. yeah, I'm 10 minute walk away from what many consider is like the Harvard of wrestling schools. It's got a name. And Danny's doing everything he possibly can to evolve it and update it. And you see his social media work and such. And you see what he has to do with the videos. He's like he's trying to make it a mini performance center as somebody who is, is, escapes me who did that quote, but they, that's what they described the Monster Factory as. So the Harvard of Wrestling Schools is 10 minutes away. I'm an emotional wreck from what I was doing. And, you know, so Ryan Box says to me, you know, time to lace up. So it's like, it's like freaking no brainer. I, um, I signed up as soon as I got some stuff out of the way. And then, you know, to day one of uh, 2017, January 1st was my first day training there. So I guess. Nice. Now let's go back to the band, man. Uh, what genre was it? And uh, what attracted you to, to get into music? Uh, was it expression? Um, it was kind of, it's kind, it was kind of out of, Jesus, wow, we're going like back to middle school now. Um, kind of out of pro, it was kind of out of protest for, I was hating, I I was hating all the pop music that I was listening to. And now going back, it's not that bad. And I think finding yourself out of spite for anything is never a good idea, but at the same time, it's like, I grew to like metal and I grew to like hard rock. And then, so I learned to play guitar and then I switched to bass for bands that needed bass players. Um, but yeah, I like, it's like, I don't know. I liked, I liked Metallica, big fan of uh, James Hetfield's stage presence and playing and singing such, even though I was never a singer and I ended up playing bass. Um, I don't know. It's like, I don't know how to describe how you know why i like what i like when it comes to music it's like i just do and at this stage of my life like i got 
Um, my musical spectrum is like I got I like Guns N' Roses on one side, I like Lamb of God on the other, everything in between. But I give everything a try at least once. For like five seconds, I can tell. Okay, I can listen to this song, or this song's crap. Next, right. but that's that, that's pretty much my musical taste. So we saw Battle of the Bands. Um, will we ever see Battle of the Band? You versus Ryan in the ring. Um, that's a Ryan question. Uh-uh. Uh, yeah, he he's got a promotion. He's got a ring. Um, and you got the ten. That's up. Davey versus Ryan. Uh, I'd like to see that. Yeah, and have have your own theme music that maybe some music that you actually played. Uh, you come down to. Yeah, we could do so. I I don't know if I plugged the band name. We were called Avoid and the Angel. Yeah, we could do a couple tunes. You know, you come out to one, I could come out to the other. Right. That'd be yeah. great, man. Now. Uh, tell us how, what your thoughts were when you first walked into the world famous monster factory. Was it overwhelming at all? Oh, absolutely. Um, when I first walked in the board, in the world famous monster factory, I did it. Uh, I checked out some shows first. There was like a little like three month period where I was going to commit to wrestling, but I had to get some stuff out of the way. So I was checking out shows as a fan. Um, and so you've been, you've been in there a couple of times, right? Yeah. You know, so I go through the front door. Um, to, this, to the right side is the weight room that all the wrestlers use as the locker room. To the left side is the bathroom. Um, Nick Camarado walks out of the weight room, and I stare at him and look up. Think, think of Hogan and Andre at WrestleMania three, like that kind of staring. And I'm like right. looking up and up. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, my God, like Christopher McDonald and Happy Gilmore, like that thing. Nice. Okay. Good reference. Good reference. Huge. <laughs> Sorry, but, you know, if that, uh, that you know, went, up, went up a little too hard with it, like, you know, a little whatever. I'm rambling. Yeah, Nick is like a specimen of, in of himself. I'm like, this is what the Monster Factory trains? Oh, my God. And then I'm watching the show. And granted, as I said before, I've set up uh, a few indie shows. I worked a couple battle royals for for various shows in Pennsylvania and New Jersey for the independents. And like, this is a whole nother level. This is like you know a small version of a WWE show. The way that these athletes, and that's what they were, athletes. The way they were moving, the way and the way they were hitting each other and doing the moves and such it was so smooth. Like the first match I saw was uh, was Mike Orlando versus Shaheem Ali, and it was like a whole nother. Um, like like oh my god, like these are, this is a whole this is a whole nother level of uh, of training and just it was perfect. I don't want to say that the independent stuff was amateur, but that's the best uh, that's the best way I can uh, describe it. Like. What I was doing was in, was amateur, and then what I was seeing was pros, and that was it was like, it was freaking magic. Who was the first person that you talked to about maybe signing up? Um, I'm trying to think. I had a, I had some conversations with Cody Vance through. Um, through Cody Vance, who's now Preston Vance 10 in uh, AEW Dark Order. I, I had a few conversations with him through Facebook uh, Messenger. A couple conversations with Dan. And that's pretty, mu that's pretty much it. My mind was pretty much made up 
Um, it was just like a matter of when for me. Okay. So uh, you walk in, now you're a student. You take okay. that first bump. What are you thinking after that first bump? Well, the good news is that wasn't my first bump. Okay, <laughs> that's good. No, my first bump was back in um, was back when I was training at the dungeon. And it's but it's exactly like how Danny Cage would say it to any student. Um, it's like, okay, it's not so bad. And it wasn't so bad. You know, now there was the second one or the third one or the fourth one or the 25 other bumps I took my first time of training. It's like, yeah, you know, I can dig this. I'm, you know, this ain't so bad. Yeah. You know, I'm just, I'm just bumping on, you know, a bunch of planks of wood, you know, with a little bit of padding, but yeah, this ain't so bad. And I go to sleep and I wake up and I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to go out of bed. I don't want to go out of bed. I'm good. Um, I, I was off the next day. I just, I slept till three, till three in the afternoon. I'm going to sleep this off. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. I don't want to go out of bed. I'm, I don't want to get out of bed. I'm fine. I, yeah, this hurts. <laughs> yeah. So let's go back. Um, describe the time at the dungeon with the mess brothers. And what did you learn the, the most there? I'm trying to think because it's it, man, it's been it's been really 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 long. Uh, Maybe that you have a passion for the business that you want to stay stick with it, or uh, it's like I it's 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 a hard question, but. And it's still something that I still need to do with repetition, but just yeah, like slow it down, <laughs> slow, slow it down, you know, just connect with the crowd and make magic. Because you have them at the grass of your hands, so yeah. you control it, yeah. Yeah, you know, you don't gotcha. gotta, gotta go a million miles an hour, get them to want to like, get them to want to like you, not what you're doing. And Dan, and Dan at the Monster Factory preaches that all the time. Yeah, like he's drilled that he drilled that into my head and everybody's head since then. Now you mentioned Dan the man uh, a couple of times now. Uh what was your initial thoughts of him when you first met him to now? Jesus. Um I don't I, got, I don't know how to answer the initial thoughts without uh, burying him and I'm you know, I'm a representative <laughs> of the monster factory right now. Um Listen, he low blow me a few times, so it's okay. Yeah. I found out what the capital of Thailand was and how to battle a king. So, you know. No. Dan's Dan's Dan. He's mm -hmm. he's extreme he's extremely abrasive, but he does it out he does it out of love, he does it out of passion, he does it because he wants you to succeed. So the way he acts, that's gonna rub some people the wrong way. Um Fortunately for me, I'm not one of those people. I've, uh, you know, I've put up with, uh, you know, with both of my parents who have, you know, who've, who've done that, who, you know, done that in the wrong ways. Not, not physical abuse. So just, you know, just the, just the way they act, the way they, they would fly off the handle over such, over stuff. Um, and, I mean. I, I you know I don't want to get too personal. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to compare this to Dan because as I said you know Dan Dan just is this is how this is how he do it how he does it and he wants what's best for people but you know like I've you know I have dealt I've I've dealt with it with uh, you know I've 
I've grown up with it and I've and also I've dealt with people worse than him. So my initial impressions were like, yeah, anything that he can dish out, I can I can handle and then, uh, you know, put it away and we'll worry about it later. Um, even though that's not entirely true, I've had other stuff that's uh, that, that's gotten to me. But that's the other thing. There has been stuff that's gotten to me, and Dan has Dan's been there for me all the time. So that's that transitions to um, impressions now. Like I love Dan. Uh, he's there have been times where I have been at an emotional low. My entire 2020 was an emotional low, and like I, I guess I'll get into that a little later. But you know, people. There's times where people should have washed their hands of me, and Dan, Dan wouldn't. Dan, what? There, Dan wasn't going to let me quit. Dan has, he's always had my back. He's always tried to help me out. Um, he is somebody that I can count on 100% of the time. Um, and, uh, and I know, I know he cares. I know how much he cares, and I love him for it. So, Dan, if you're listening to this, I love you. I love you, and you know I, I hope I can make you proud now and anytime I'm in the ring. Well, you hit the nail on the coffin. Um, Dan, I've known Dan for eight years now, and he believed in me since day one, coming up to Monco Radio, doing mm-hmm. podcasts weekly. You know, then trusting me and bringing up stars like a Matthew Riddle, um, you know, and you name it, a Punisher Martinez, uh, Steve Cutler. So, yeah. like, you know, him him trusting in me. And trusting me to be able to invite me to your home every single time that I want to come up to interview you guys. Yeah. Like, I mean, that speaks volume. He, like, if you put in the effort and show the love, mm-hmm. he'll show it back in a different oh, you, way. But Yo, by the way, inter- inter- yeah, interview me and interview the rest of us personally and stuff. It'd be good to see you. Definitely. <laughs> I was not to cut you off. I was, you know, I was being no. uh, trying to make a joke there. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. But, yeah, it's just like, you know, like, you know. If you show your passion and for this business, he'll stick his neck out for you. And you're not just a student, you know, your family hit to him, you know, that's what I love about him. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk about um, the adrenaline that you were feeling before, during, and after your first match. Um, do, you, do you remember your theme music, your opponent, the result of the match? Okay. Uh, oh, there, there, there's a couple. There's a couple ways we can spin this because my first, the first time I was like in a match. It was, I was 26, I was doing something, I was doing a ring rental for the dungeon working ring crew. And so just as like a trial by fire, trial by fire, sorry, Mark and Troy, they decide to do a tag match between me and Ryan Vox. And the gimmick is where the ring crew, they're calling out the ring crew. And like, it was freaking crazy because Ryan and I really didn't have to do anything. That's not saying we got killed because they gave us they gave us a lot for a five minute match. I got to Russian leg Troy Mest. Um, Ryan got to uh, Ryan got to give me the hot tag after you know dodging an elbow drop. Uh, we did like a double clothesline and such. Um, but the the promo that they cut. They got the fans so invested, and they were cheering the hell out of Ryan getting the hot tag for me, and they were cheering me. Two wet-behind-the-ears rookies who hadn't even been training for a year, and these fans these fans in, oh, Jesus, uh, 
Uh, these fans of the Poconos, I forget the uh, I forget the town. All right, they were cheering the heck out, and there was like 300 people in the skating rink, and we were over for nothing. So that was an adrenaline rush right there. When you talk about my first match at the Monster Factory, one was Turkey Slam. Yes. That was, I'll be honest, that was extremely stressful because I decided to have the ambitious idea of giving all 50 people in the Turkey Rumble, because that's where I, that's, that's my Monster Factory debut, Turkey Slam Rumble 2017. Um, ambitious idea of giving everybody a freaking theme song. Like before that, I've seen, I've seen a few of the Turkey Slams before that, and they didn't have music. Nobody had music, but except for like, the, the first two entrants because they could have their entrances and they could just you know, wrestle for a little bit. So I had that little bit of stress going for me. And then I do my match or I do my part of the rumble. I last through like four people before getting thrown out. And I remember, oh crap, I'm really out of shape. Cause I remember by the end of it, like I'm stuck in wind like crazy. Yeah. Um, and then back to that. Uh, and then I'm back to doing, I'm back to doing the music after I get thrown out. And I freaking nailed it. With the exception of getting the music wrong for like a couple of minor people who just showed up, I freaking nailed it and got everybody their freaking music. So, you know, I take, uh, I take a little bit of pride in that. But there is a funny little story, a nice little juxtaposition lesson. During my, um, during my time in there, I'm trading strikes with Royal Money. Now, anybody who knows Royal Money knows. Oh, yeah. If, but, you know, like uh, three out of four times, he's gonna be sick. He might, he might accidentally potato you with one shot. I took one. My my match with uh, this year, he gave me one potato, but it's like yeah, business, whatever. Um, but so I'm trading strikes with Royal. He's giving me forearms to the neck. I'm giving him, you know, my little forearms to the neck, and it was stiff. It was snug, but it was safe. It was, it was the the meat right to the neck. That was fine. Then I start trading forearms with this new kid. Uh, he was newer than I was. And you know what? I'm going to say his name. His name's Dan Weatherby. Dan Weatherby, if you're listening to this, I miss you. Come back to the factory. I don't know what you're doing. I love you. But I was trading forearms with him, and he went two times to me, bone to jaw. And I'm like, oof, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, so that's a joke. And that's, you know, somebody who's stiff but safe versus somebody who's new and still needs to still needs to figure out how to nail their strikes. Definitely. Now, um, with, with the World Famous Monster, you start out, you don't just get thrown right into the ring. Um, you, you work concessions, you work the front door, you know, you got to earn your strikes there. Um, was that hard for you to accept or did you automatically, like, you know, being from the dungeon, you probably knew, you know the rules and everything, but how was that for you? Um, to be patient, you know? Well, as far as like, as far as that's concerned with the details you just put in, I kind of, I was able to get into the music rather quickly just because, um, the person working there before wanted was starting to transition into being a wrestler. And there was a real, there was a urgent need for somebody to fill that role. And I grew up in the '90s. I can work my way around a, uh, I can work my way around a PC. I've been in band before. I know how to set up PAs and such. So I had, yeah, I had that going for me. So I, I was pretty much, I was pretty much paying my dues by 
being in the captain's chair for uh, for day one. I wore concessions my first time, my first show. I I did get I ran gimmicks back like my second show while I was shadowing who was doing music. But then by like the third show, uh, Getty yeah, Getty was training me on how to do music. And then after uh, after like, the third match, he walks off like, "Yeah, you know what you're doing." So. That's that, that's not to say I wasn't nervous because I was afraid that I was afraid all the time that I would I would botch something and then uh, and then I would just be undue stress on the show and such like that and stuff like that still something like that still happens I mean I'm not nervous about it but uh, I have made my mistakes and I have caught flack for it from Dan and then uh, you know five more minutes later everybody's cooled down and it's back to work and, uh, and we don't we forget about it. Now being in this business for a couple of years now, um, what's one piece of advice that you would tell a rookie? Uh, thinking about coming into this business. One piece of advice. <laughs> um, I guess at this point, it's probably the same piece of advice that I heard from uh, Damian Priest and then Royal Money afterward. Don't be me. I I was very, very hard-headed for most of, um, for, for the first three years. Yeah, you know, like 2017, 2018, 2019, and then 2020, I you know, got the emotional low. It was like, like first, uh, I was also in, introverted, but I was very, I was very hard headed, and I, I wanted to just do what I wanted to do, and like that was it, or, or you know, or not do it at all, and that was, and that was it, and then it took me, um, it. it kind of took me a little bit to just let it all go. And then this year, I'm just trying to, I'm following Dan's direction as best I can. He's got something for me to chew on when it comes to wrestling and doing shows. I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about that. I'll let people watch it and figure it out. But it's like, once I just was like, okay, you know, I'm just going to follow Dan's direction, see what he's got for me. And then it all clicked. Just, be open to just just have an open mind. If I have to give any advice getting in this getting into this business, just have an open mind. Okay. Now, what's the difference between Dave Bly the person and Dave Bly the wrestler? Um, well, the difference between Davey Bly the wrestler and uh, my my shoot name is David Robert Belsky. That's on my ID. It's on my birth certificate. Um, the difference between those two people is one kind of has uh, kind of has the leash off just a little bit. Um, and I say that where like uh, I got to deal with uh, um, <clears throat> what's a uh, <laughs> oh, I'm, I, I, I can't curse. So I'm trying to think of something just to uh, to say to just describe like loathsome people. You know, I can't just you know punch a loathsome human being in the face. Otherwise, I lose my job. Otherwise, I could get sued. Otherwise, I could get uh, you know I could, they could call the cops on me or whatever. You know, um, I'm afraid of the consequences, but. You know, right now where I'm at as uh, as Davey Block, uh, I'm afforded, you know, I'm I'm afforded a little, you know, a little bit of liberties where if a heel tries to, because I'm a babyface and I'm, I'm at PW right now, so like if if a heel 
tries to you know assert his dominance on me and do something do something stupid or whatever um <clears throat> i can be like oh really a hole and then you know pop him one in the mouth and i've i i advertise that kind of thing on uh instagram one time and you'll see you'll see me like bob my head like oh, oh yeah oh yeah and then uh, pop him in the mouth or punk him out with a body slam or something like that so i guess the yeah the difference the, the difference is I sort of, you know, I, I can, you know, I can sort of, you know, give that little counter punch and without worrying about, without worrying about consequences, even though it's all make believe, I guess, you know, I can channel, I, I can channel what I would want to do to uh, loathe some people that, you know, in the ring and just pretend to do it there. Definitely. Now this is a business too. So you got to sell yourself. Um, yeah. Talk about, you know, getting those eight by tens, making a T-shirt that you know will, will sell. Was that stuff hard for you, or or did, did do you have that personality where where you can talk people into buying a shirt and an autograph and stuff like that? That I still got to work. on. That's like the next step. Um, I do have I do have promo shots. I did some promo shots uh, last night with the uh, MF Network title. Um, we'll see how they turn out. So, but yeah, I did my, I did my first Reels promo shots. Uh, Ryan Box uh, took one of me uh, and put me on the poster for the Outbreak show. That's going to be, that's nice for July 24th. So I, I've got that taken care of. I got no eight by tens because everything's just digital right now. I get, that's something I got to work on. Um, as far as merchandise, I have a t-shirt uh, concept idea and it's like, I'm going to, yeah, I'll run it by Dan. Say, you know, does this work for me? And the idea that uh, I did, he likes it, so I'm gonna go with that. Once I've got some disposable income to spend on T-shirts, um, you know, when it comes to this being a business, you need to, you know, you need to have income to be able to invest in yourself. Right now, the job that I'm working at is, uh, you know, it only affords me enough to pay my bills and eat, which is fine, but. Getting a little sick of that. I've been uh, I've been doing that uh, doing that for like 15 years now. No spring chicken. I'm gonna be 35 in October. But once you know, once I'm able to uh, once I'm able to have some money to spend, yeah, t-shirts are coming. Nice. Now let's talk about uh, some of the trials and tribulations that you faced. You know, whether in the ring or out of the ring, and for yourself personally. Oh, well, I mean, I guess that's like trials and tribulations. Um, I guess that like comes to that kind of comes to my somewhat hard headedness being in my head. I hate that term. I'm sorry. You know, people people in wrestling say it all the time. Dan says it all the time. I still don't grasp the concept of it. I get it. You think too much, but okay. You know, fine. I was in my head for practically um, the first three years I was in the factory. Um, I had a small little, I had a small little run in 2019 where I was wrestling, and you know I'm glad I did it. But looking back, I did, it didn't really, it didn't really click. I was trying to be some sort of Mad Max bad, tough guy that I wasn't. That, that I wasn't. I was wearing leather pants. I had long hair, and it just, it's just, it, it was cool. It, it was maybe I could have made it work, but I couldn't have made it work then. Um, and but you know but i i was in my head and i wasn't going to be denied but at the same 
while that was going on. I mean, like, you know, my, my movement wasn't that good. My strikes, my strikes sucked. Um, I meant to say stunk. Uh, I'm, I'm sure That's stunk. fine. No, you're doing really good. You're doing, I'm, I'm very impressed, man. Okay. All right. All right. All right. And it was like, so I was just, you know, and I just wanted to do what I wanted to do and, and take any opportunity that catered to me. And there, like, there were a few, you know, Getty Cahoon figured me in a storyline, but at the same time, I, it was a storyline that I couldn't really, I wasn't capable of delivering on, on my end, even though, you know, I thought I should. And between that, I mean, there was like crap going on where the job was stressing me out. I had a car break down on me and then I was driving an old piece of crap car and I was, uh, I was stressed out in 2019. Um, and then 2020, I said before, I that was where I like hit a real emotional low, where I was like, you know, f everything. I can only get, I can only get so far in wrestling. I can only get so far in in my music. I can only get so far with, uh, you know, with with the date with my dating life. I can only get so far in life, and I'm like, and I'm plateauing here. You know, then I'm quoting this this Jim Jeffries uh, dark comedy quote where he goes up to a bunch of kids and says, like, real talk. You know, some of you will never achieve greatness because greatness was not inside of you. And I'm just like, I'm like, F positivity, F motivation. Let me let me lay in my misery hole for the rest of my life with a middle finger pointing upward. And with that said. Dan still wouldn't give up on me. Wow. So, I, you know, eventually I pulled myself out of that misery hole with Dan's help. And I was... And it's not easy either. Oh, absolutely not. Because at that point, you're like, you know, why do I, why do I want to pull myself out? Um, and then... Um, I was still a little hard-headed. I mean, I cut my I cut my hair to try a new look, and I switched uh, from the you know the leather biker Mad Max wannabe pants to the but to the uh, biker shorts that I'm wearing now in my matches. But I, I was still hard-headed for a while, and then <clears throat> like you know, I had I had some resentment issues, and then finally I'm just like, yeah, I just uh, I had a little moment of clarity of just let it all go, and. Yeah, just follow whatever Dan's direction, whatever Dan wants me to do. He gave me his what you know what he wants me to do direction for me so far. I can dig it, and like right now I'm, you know, I'm doing I'm I'm good up here. I'm in the best shape of my life, and I'm no spring chicken. But like at this point, like. I, I'll ne- I haven't had a better chance at pro wrestling than I have now. Like not when I was 26 when I first started. Not when I was 29 when I got into shape to be able to do it at the level at the level that I was able to do at the Monster Factory. Like right now, um, I've got a better. I've got. I don't have a better shot than now. And I still. I still have a lot of work to do. I still. You know. I yeah, I have a lot of work to do. I, I want to get better. I want to be at the level of all, all my bros who wrestled at um, 
at uh, the Larry Sharp Memorial Cup, the Bobby Buffets, and the you know the Sammy Miamis. You know, good for you, Sammy. You're gonna you know you're he's in Florida right now. It's gonna be a wrap. I know, uh, which is you know great for you, Sammy. Um, you know the, the mar- marvelous and you know I'm getting na- names in the golden era and everything yeah. that I saw that I saw in spots at the uh, Larry Sharp Memorial Cup. It's like I want to be somebody. I want to be at that level where you know I can be in one of those spots. And, um, um, the coach Missy Sampson, who Dan, who you know Dan brought in, I, was like, I, I love her. I could do an entire uh, I could do an entire podcast on on her helping me out. I don't I don't want to forget about you, Missy. I love you. If you're listening to this, I love you. You know, you know, I don't think I'd be I don't think I'd be here without you. Yes, I pulled I pulled myself out on Danny Danny Cage's arm. I've also you know pulled myself up on Missy Sampson's arm. Um, but yeah, Missy's a great person. Oh, she's a, she's amazing. She's the closest. I got in with her with at World One Wrestling mm-hmm. a million years ago. It feels like when I was trying to get into the business and I was doing flyers on Street Team for her yeah. and uh, at Northeast at a, at a AMF bowling alley with Steve Carino and then. So mm-hmm. and just like knowing her all these years and to now, it's just I'm, I'm so happy for her that she you know she found a place to call home and doing doing extremely well with you guys. Yeah. Uh, yes. I'm. I'm so glad she's a coach. Uh, I mean, we, you know, Dan set this place, Dan set this place up and he put her in place and, you know, the Monster Factory wouldn't be the Monster Factory without him. And as much as I owe to Dan, I don't think I'd be, oh, I don't think I'd be where I'm at without Missy. I don't want to count her out either. So, yeah, yeah I love you. You're the closest thing to a mom I got right now. Uh, thanks for uh, coming awesome. in. Um, but. Where where were we? Like, the trials and tribulations stuff and such. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah, so I'm like I'm happy in my own skin. I like the way I'm moving around. I like the way I like the way I'm selling right now. Um, I figure I, I mean, I, you know, you always be better at everything, but I'm I'm digging the way I'm selling. So, I, but I I want to get better. I want to be at that level that you know everybody that I'm training with is at. Just just so I can, you know, because I you know I want I want to do this. I want to. Um, I, I want to be able to have, you know, the kind of matches where they can go back and forth and I can have the fans invested in, in it. And I can be you know, at that level where the booker can put something, you know, high on me, you know, can give me an accolade because of that. You know, I'm not saying I care about the belt or whatever, but it's like if I'm if I'm at a, you know, at a level up here and in here wrestling and such where I can be trusted with that. I mean, that means I'm doing pretty good, and at least in in the ring, at least I'm doing all right, and I can have a decent match with just about anybody. So everyone got tested through this out throughout this pandemic. What's one thing that you learned about yourself through this whole pandemic? You know, I'm gonna expose your business a little bit because you gave me these questions ahead of time. Um, that's the one that is that's the hardest that. I had to answer and I still don't have an answer for it because 2020 like that's yeah, like in April that's where that's where I hit my low that's where I said F it all um it's I mean there's nothing that I there's nothing that I didn't know about myself that uh yeah not, nothing that, nothing new I really learned about myself you know, in the pandemic I mean there's there's plenty of stuff I learned about others um, but 
as far as myself is concerned, it's like, uh, I mean, it was my lowest moment, and and which you know, which which sounds selfish because everybody was a lot worse off than I was. All right, six hundred thousand people are dead because of that pandemic. So, I think you know, I I had it. I had minor symptoms and I came out of it. So I think I, I think I did pretty good, even though like I was emotionally low. Um, but I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry that that one's a blank. I wish I wish I could say I came out of some with some sort of better understanding of myself. But I mean, unfortunately. Well, next and, time when we have you on, we'll ask you the same question and, you know, we'll see if yeah. there's a change. If there's a change, I mean, I saw, I sort of saw, I sort of summed it up with, um, you know, just saying, you know, I pulled, a, you know, I was able to pull myself out of my misery hole by Danny Cage's yeah. and Misty Sampson's are, you know, in 2021, let go of any prior, you know, resentments or hardheadedness that I had. I guess and you made it through. But, yeah. yeah, and yeah, you made it through. That's the most important thing. And sometimes when you hit rock bottom, me personally, I know that for a fact. It's hard to build yourself back up and surround around people that trust you and you know they trust you and, and, and they know they're looking out for your best interest. Yeah. So Dan and Missy are definitely two with them. Now, one thing I respect the hell out of you is you're the first person in that gym. You're the last person to leave. You got keys to the freaking Monster Factory. You do it all. Um, you're at, at the gym working out hardcore now. That motivation, what keeps that motivation going? Is it that you want to strive to be the best you can be? Um, I've come to an understanding with myself that I think uh, discipline beats motivation. I don't, it's like, because like all that, I would rather, now that I'm doing it, it's like, I need to keep doing it because I, that misery hole that I was telling you about, I can't say I've left it behind. There's something, oh, there could be something around the corner that leads to another thing, and I can always be back there. So it's more, I just got to be disciplined to keep doing what I'm doing, um, to keep, work, keep working out, to come to training at the Monster Factory and make sure that, that I, did it, I, I did enough for myself where I'm not, regret, where I'm not regretting it. I'm not regretting that I didn't uh, do enough. Um, like I, I don't want to. I don't want to have any more regrets. My the, my last big regret regret is uh, a bunch of Monster Factory people went to a Dr. Tom Pritchard seminar up in uh, New England, and I didn't go. And the more that I think about it, I could have made arrangements in order to be able to go, and I should have. So I don't want to. You know, I don't want to have any more regrets. I don't want to do. I I don't want to not do enough to where I'm regretting it going home and going to bed. So, uh, do you have so, a favorite seminar? Yes, actually I do. Um, which, you know, kind of stinks because I, I forget most of the details of it, but it does have, it does have one of the, one of my favorite matches that I've ever seen either in the factory, out of the factory. It was late 2018. Um, it was hosted by Ian Riccoboni, uh, Brutal Bob Evans, I think it was Ricky Ray as an FG, um, but it was the final match of the night was Royal Money versus Graham Bell. Uh, do you know who Graham is? Yeah. 
Okay, all right. Yeah, Merck, uh, Merck with a mane and a long hair. He's very, he's very good. But they, that match lit me up because it's exactly the style of wrestling that I want to do. And I'm not saying they brawl all over the place, which they did. I'm not saying that's why that's what got me into it. The fact is, it was like 100% on the fly. Um, for whatever reason, I think. I think Graham did something that made Royal justify throwing whatever they had out the window. Royal just attacks Graham and knocks him off the apron, and they're fighting on the floor for a while, and Graham's able to give it back to him. And, like, what I loved about it was it was all just on the fly. They were at such a high level that they were just able to react to each other and react to the audience, and everybody loved it, and they were just having fun. And, you know, me running the music all the time, I don't have time to be calling a freaking, you know, like a freaking WrestleMania level match that I that I got to rehearse again and again and again and again. I want to be at a level where I can just go in there, feel the crowd, feel the guy I'm working with, and just kind of, you know, just you know, react, just just react and and feel and you know and and feel it right then and there. And I've I've had a few match, a few training matches where that's happened. Uh, my favorite training match against Westfield Kelly. Um, the student at the factory was, I wrestled him a couple times on the Monster Factory Arena, but my favorite was, um, it was just in front of the students. I was beat to crap from my job. I, I didn't even have my knee pads on, but I'm, I'm the first to go in the ring. And Missy's like, you, you can do this and then you can go home and get some sleep. And I'm like, all right, I'm calling Westfield Kelly. I owe you a better match. Um, we're going to do this right on the fly. And we had, we had a decent match and it was, it was fun. I called it. Because I was, I was, I was calling from the bottom. I was the baby face. He was the heel. But uh, it was, you know, it had it had the night set up and flow, and everybody loved it. So I just want, I want to be able to get that, uh, be at a level to be able to do that anywhere. Definitely. Now your ups and downs, your highs, your lows, it all came to a head July first, twenty twenty one. Davey finally does it, eliminating Westfield Kelly, Travis Jacobs, Goldie, and Wet Brett to win the MF Network Championship. What's going through your mind when you get your hand raised and you get that title? Um, going through my mind was I had to pee. <laughs> I was, <laughs> Damn I, was music. I was number I was number twenty in that rumble, and I was running the music for every for I did entrances there too, and I died. But like right as uh, it started going, I'm like crap, I gotta go to the bathroom, and then I. So I, I get in there and I do my I run my music or not run my music. I get into the rumble and I win. And then afterward, I do a speech to tell everybody just to listen to listen to Dan, follow his lead. Um, but yeah, I had to go to the bathroom. Um, here's the thing about that. Here's the thing about the uh, about getting the MF title. That's like a nice a nice milestone where it's like okay, I'm 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 doing this right. I'm, I'm following Dan's lead and the fact that he's I'm operating. I want to, yeah, you know what? I, I got to put I got to get this in. Like I'm, because I'm quoting Batman from uh, the, the uh, Justice League Zack Snyder cut. He says to Alfred, for once I'm operating solely on faith, strictly on faith. And for once I'm operating strictly on faith in Dan. And this is a nice little, you know, milestone that I'm in the right direction. Okay, he says to me because this was a this was like a few weeks in the making. I'm I'm beat up from work, and 
<clears throat> I'm like in a very chill mood, and he's like, he says to me, you know, so I got this idea where, you know, I want to take the uh, MF Network title off of Goldie and put it on you. And I'm like, well, far out, that's pretty cool. But that moment meant the world to me because of what I just said before, because it meant that I'm doing that, that I'm doing this stuff right for once. Okay. Having, yeah, having the booker tell you that, that he's putting a belt on you means you've done enough to be a guy where even if it doesn't happen, if you don't get the belt, at least you've done enough that you're a guy that he can consider putting a belt on. So, I mean, you know, plans could have changed, and I couldn't have had that title. And plans could change tomorrow, and there could be somebody better than me to be the MF Network champion. But, you know, the fact that that I'm, you know, I'm somebody that Dan put the belt on means I'm on the right path. So that means the world to me, almost as much as... Uh, Almost as much as actually winning it. Actually winning it, you know what? Yes, I'm going to spin this into another story. Because actually winning it did mean a lot to me more than I had to go pee. Um, yeah, I forgot all about that. Because during that night, it was a training night. And normally with Monster Factory Arena, um, not many, I don't want to say not many people show up. But, you know, there's not going to be a crowd there. It's, uh, you know, it's it's us. And we're just, you know, doing content. We're putting, in, putting out content, every, you know, once a week. And but that one, it was like, um, you know, we had 30, 30 people and all the students showed up. Missy showed up. Um, my Dr. Ha Doc Carl showed up to do commentary. Uh, Ron, who had a tryout, showed up and everybody at the school was there to see me win this. And the more people that I saw pouring through the door and the fact that I found out that it was going to be like a Royal Rumble style match and I was going to win by chucking both Goldie and Brett over my head, over the, uh, like over the turnbuckle. And I'm like, like, this is a cool, this is a really cool moment. This is a cool spot for me. And it meant a lot that most everybody at the school got to see it and were there to see it. So like, the you know everybody at the factory all my brothers at the factory dan the students the coaches like they that made it for me that made the night for me they made the night of me winning that for me hearing dan uh, say that he was going to put it on me made it for me like you know weeks before them being there for me to win it made it for me definitely now um you're going to outbreak wrestling you're leaving the nest and trying and going to a different promotion um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I'm looking forward to, I'm look. I'm definitely looking forward to outbreak. It's going to be great to see all those guys that I, you know, used to train with before the factory, Mark and Troy Meth, Ed House, um, Ryan Box. Um, I haven't seen him in a couple of years, man. I mean, we talk all the time, but it's going to be great to see him again. I'm going to give him a, a huge hug. Um, but, uh, it's, the match is going to be interesting. It's going to be a, a triple threat tag team match. Um, you know, so many different uh, variables. You know, three teams, six guys. Who's going to win? Well, myself and play, of course. I'm not walking out of there. But no. I can't wait to show up at the historic Hamburg Fieldhouse. 
because I can't think of a better place to be than for my first time outside of the Monster Factory than uh, Outbreak Wrestling, uh, alive at last. Thanks. It's going to be fun. Yeah, you know, I mean, we'll talk. I know it's going to be airing afterwards. Sorry to explode, expose your business again, but I can't. You know, that's it's okay. Um, we'll have you back forward. on. You can tell us all about it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I guess so. This is going to air Monday. Uh, I'll I'll probably have wrestled at Monster Factory Arena then, because that's on that's on Sundays. You'll have seen that. You'll have seen the results of myself and Travis Jacobs. Um, or card that, or that could have been next week. Cards up to change. Cards up to change. Cards up to change. The next time you guys are going to be able to see me is I don't know what I'm doing, but the next time you guys are going to be able to see me will be July 31st at the Monster Factory. It's going to be This Is War, and that's going to be main evented by Royal Money. It's going to be main, Royal Money is going to be defending his MFPW Heavyweight Championship against Shaheem Ali. And Steve Macklin, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing what happens there. He's got Royal Money. He's one of the best, if not the best, you know, student wrestler that uh, at least I've seen at the factory. He's holding the world title. You got Shaheem Ali, who's very much at that level of Royal. Shaheem was in Ring of Honor, and then you got Steve Macklin, who's he's been killing it since uh, he left WWE. He's reinvented himself. And like he's just on a roll, and he has this in, this captivating aura of what he's doing. So instantly, I'm invested in this triple threat. I can't wait to see it, and I know they're going to deliver. Now, if the damage fans out there want to get more information about you on social media, where can they go? All right, I'm I'm not hard to find at all. Um, Facebook and uh, Instagram. It's Davy Bly, eight digits, eight letters. D A V Y B L Y E. Um, and then Twitter, I'm on Twitter. I got to build my Twitter up. You know, I've only got like 50 followers and I'm following hundred people. So, so damage people follow me on Twitter. I got to get, I got to up my Twitter game. Oh uh, yeah. I got to up my Instagram game and my Facebook game too, but definitely Twitter. My Twitter handle is D A V Y B L Y E M F. That's Davey Bly M F. I'm not hard to find. Well, Davey, it's about time you made your damage debut here on Malcolmradio.com or music. Reminds me. I appreciate your time. And, uh, Remember, fans, don't keep it nice and neat. Keep it completely damaged on MonkerRadio.com where music and minds meet. Thanks, Davey. Appreciate your time. Thank you, RC. Completely damaged.